The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hello and welcome. Glad to have you with us on another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. If you want to support the mission of the Paul Leslie Hour, getting these interviews out there into the world, there are hundreds of them, just go to patreon.com slash the Paul Leslie Hour. There are costs associated. Even a little bit would help. I mean that most sincerely. Today is the 86th birthday of Ray Walker. Ray Walker is a bass singer. He became a member of the world-famous vocal group The Jordanaires in 1958. He sang and recorded with Elvis Presley for 14 years, as well as 2,500-plus other artists making Ray Walker the most recorded voice in history. He sang on the recordings, as I mentioned, of Elvis Presley, but also Dolly Parton, Loretta Lynn, Johnny Cash, Jimmy Buffett, too many artists to list. I find Ray Walker to be a lovely, kind, fascinating man. I'm very honored that I got a chance to record this interview. Ray Walker, if you happen to hear this, happy birthday, sir. And for everyone else, please let me know what you think. Ray Walker is an exceptional case, whether he would admit that or not. I hope you enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome Ray Walker. Thank you for joining us. I'm happy to be here. Who is Ray Walker? Well, there are 11 of them in Nashville, so I'm not really sure. Why would you ask that? <laughs> Well, I'm a Christian, and I'm a, I'm a minister. I've been on my feet in the church since I was six years old and been a deputy for 17 years while, I was still, while I'm still with the Jordanaires. That's years ago. Been on three governor's staffs and helped them with troubled children and what have you. Helped the DA keep pornography out of town one time. And I was the youngest principal, school principal in the state of Tennessee's history. I was, I think, 20 or 21. I had a championship ball team and only had a clay court and no net on the basket. And they won. Ooh, it's something else. And then I'm a member of the Jordanaires, most recorded vocal group in the history of music on 8 billion plus sales today. And according to the latest report, you asked me, so I'm telling you, according to the latest report, I'm most likely the most recorded voice in history because I'm recorded every week, at least every Sunday. And I've got over 600 acapella songs in 77 nations. And I'm married to my wife, 57 and three-quarter years. My childhood sweetheart, we met at 14, started dating at 15. And the Lord brought us back together because I didn't know where she was. And here she came. <laughs> Amazing. The most recorded voice in history. Well, that's the way it looks. That's the way it looks. <laughs> I might be hard pressed to prove it because I'd have I'd have to get up all the, the songs and how many albums they've been in and actually you know sometimes when they do a, something like this they count the ones that were the outtakes and not take but I'm just actually ah. counting the takes so the Jordanaires have been over thirty 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 five thousand side singles so that's not bad. I think most stories are best from the beginning. What was life like growing up in the Walker home? 
Well, my dad was an evangelist, and we've been all over Georgia. We lived in Dalton, started school in Dalton, Georgia. He was, my dad was a very fair man. He he was ahead of his time. My mom was a sweet little old girl from Snowville, Virginia. I had one sister that was older who passed away at three when I was a year and a half. And then I have two more sisters and one more brother. And I'm kind of confused because my sisters have got two brothers, and I don't know exactly how to take that. So, Was there a lot of music playing around the house? Oh, yeah. My dad my dad had a, a lot of volume. He would lead singing, but it was kind of straight out, you know. And he used to tell people, Ray Jr. got my volume from me and got his melody from his mom because mother was one of eight girls and four boys, one of 12 children. They all sang. Every one of them could sing. They would sing as a family, you know, in Snowville, Virginia. I just started out singing. Mama said I was singing Jesus just loves me when I hit the, hit the bed. But I don't know. <laughs> what were your favorite songs growing up? You know, I didn't have, I, I never have been one to pick favorites. I don't know. Somewhere way back in, I heard that when you pick a favorite, you leave everything else out. My nature is not to pick a favorite. For instance, they say, what was your favorite Elvis' song? I don't know, because everything he did was from the heart. And if I pick one, then it leaves the others in shadows, you know. And I actually don't have a favorite, because if I heard one, I'd say, yes, that's, that's really good. That's my favorite right now. That's what I'm listening to. But then play another one. Oh, yeah, that's my favorite right now. So I never had a favorite. There are songs, of course, you sing more often. And that you hear more often, and that probably the sell more of. I just never pick favorites. We have six children. I never had a favorite child. If they were favorite, they were favorite because of some some quality they had that the others didn't have. I just I don't feel favoritism at all. I just don't. Was there a singer that influenced you? A singer? Hmm. Well, child, no. No, I. I I don't know. I, I've never copied anybody. I've got too much air between my ears because whatever I hear, it's like Patty Page when we've worked with her. And when we were, when I was a kid, I'm trying to think. Vaughn Monroe came out. I liked him. Eartha Kitt, I liked her. Uh, Frank Sinatra, I liked him. It, it, it just didn't matter to me. I never have yeah. wasted my time picking favorites, even in foods. I'll try most anything you put in front of me once anyway. Kind of like an inquisitive dog. <laughs> what are your recollections of your first time in a recording studio? Oh, well, I was teaching school here in the county. I, I had just graduated in 1957 and worked at Worthen Bag Company for the summertime and started teaching teaching school in the fall of 57. In April of 58, I was calling David Eskom College, which is now a university, to uh, talk to uh, the head of the music department, tell him that I was sending my medal that I had won my first year on the song leaders contest when I came to Lipscomb. Hers had not come in from New York, and Miss Beatty was not going to fake it. She wanted to have something to hand to the kid that won that morning. So I was sending mine over. So I was calling. We have a from the school where I was. We have a 7:30 to 8 free period. Kids could do pretty well, have whatever they please for 30 minutes. I had radios and tape recorders and sofa and a chair in the back and table with all kind of magazines and what have you. 
and they could catch up on their homework. So I was dialing into Avalon Hall about between 7.30 and 20.00, and I kept getting a busy, busy, busy signal. Well, I finally dialed in, and Buddy Arnold, who was never early for anything in his life, really, picked up the phone about a quarter till, and I gave him my message about the medal that I was sending over to present on stage. And he said, listen, I was just talking to Gordon Stoker of the Jordanaires. They need a bass singer. Would you be interested? I said, well, there is a change coming at the end of May, I can tell that, and that's the only group I would sing with, so I don't know. He said, well, if I could sing bass, I'd probably go try out myself. I said, well, give him my name, and this was on a Wednesday, so and tell him to call me at 4 o'clock. That's when I get home, a little after 4, so he did. And I went down that night at 11 o'clock because they had the pet milk shows to do and tried out with them, and I could do everything that they needed to do, and I had a lower range than their former bass singer, who was a good one, Hugh Jarrett, and he had a radio tone that nobody could copy, just just a great voice. And I also knew the number system, which Neil had devised himself. He never had music in school, but he started using one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one as chord structure for the scale. Well, that was 18th century harmony, and I had that in school, and that really shocked him. Well, Gordon had had it too, but he just never said anything about it. So we gave rise to using the number system in, in the music business. Anyway, I came home. Marilyn said, well, did you get the job? That's my sweet little wife. And I said, they didn't say so, but yeah, I got it. And I said, we could do everything. The only complaint Gordon had was, he said, well, Neil, he sounds like Pat Boone on low C. And what he meant was I didn't have that gospel edge or that edge that some of them have. And I learned to do that a little later for him, put an edge on it like on certain notes like that, you know. Anyway, he called me the next day at school, which was Thursday, and said, look, we've got to go to Hollywood to Capitol Records, and they want us to bring our nearest choice. And right now, you're it. We've got a couple more guys to listen to, but can you go? So I called the Board of Education. They said, yeah, go ahead, Ray. That'll be fine. We'll, we'll send that. We'll send a substitute out. So we went out then to Capitol Records, to, to California, and recorded with Tommy Sands, and then did four Jordanaire singles and worked with Rick Nelson, and then came home. And he called me the next day after we got in, and he said, look, we've got to go to the Dick Clark show this weekend, can you go? And I said, no. I said, I've been away from the kids a couple of weeks and getting them ready for their SATs, and they don't need a substitute for that. And Gordon said, well, what if I told you if you can't go on this trip that we'll have to get our next choice? I said, you just have to do it because if I break this contract to go with you, I'd break yours to go with somebody else, and I just don't break contract. He said, well, when could you start coming down to the Opry? I said, when is it? He said, Saturday night. I said, Saturday night. So in May, I started going to the Opry and watching how they worked down there. And then June 1st, I came with the Jordanaires legally. My very first recording session, Gordon was hoping they'd have some less important ones, as he put it, before we worked with Elvis. But my very first recording session was June the 10th with Elvis. Over there in RCAB, Gordon said, here comes Elvis. He'd come in the back door that day. Well, I turned around, and there he stood with his hand out. So I took his hand, shook it, and he said, I'm Elvis Presley. I said, I know who you are. I'm Ray Walker. And he said, and I know who you are. <laughs> Elvis never left a stone unturned. 
sweetest guy, easiest to work with, and he he made me do bass parts on every one of the four songs on that session. And somebody sent me the outtakes where he got we would break up on things and the the extra takes that we did. The third song on that session was Fool Such As I, the first secular record he ever had nominated for a Grammy. So my first session was freshly, legally, a Jordan there, but the other go back to April of 58, when I just went to California with long answer, if you ask. Were you nervous the first time you went into a recording studio? No. I'd been recording off and on since I was a kid. My daddy started recording us on a wire. He had a wire recorder when I was 13, 14, 12, something like that. No, I wasn't nervous. I just, you know, excited, yes, but I wasn't nervous that either I could do the job or couldn't do the job, and that's the way it went. So where does the name Jordanaires come from? You know, for years they'd say, where'd you get your name? We'd say, what don't you know about the Holy Land, the Jordan River? But one of the original Jordanaires, none of whom were in the ones that the world knows. There were two years before the Jordanaires started coming to any recognition at all. But Presley in in 1956 is what gave the Jordanaires their national and international fame and, and really put us on the map to work. I wasn't even with them then. But one of the original Matthews brothers was doing an interview and they asked him, said, where did you get the name Jordanaires? He said, well, strangely enough, we were in the Baptist College in Bolivar, Missouri, and we were sitting up outside up on the hill, college buildings up on a hill there. And one of them said, you know, we sound pretty good. We were doing spirituals. Said, we sound pretty good. We ought to get ourselves a name. And one of the others says, well, there's Jordan's Creek down there. Why don't we name ourselves like Ayers over Jordan or Jordan Ayers or something? So we're named after a creek in Bolivar, Missouri. That's great. <laughs> we're talking with Ray Walker. When you go into a recording studio, what are you trying to accomplish? Well, we try to give the song, first of all, its due. And Elvis Elvis and Rick Nelson both, they always tried to honor the writer. They wanted to do that song. If a writer had enough um, thought of them to send them a song to do and they're going to do it, first of all, they appreciated that. And so that's what we try. But we try to pull the meaning out of the song. You've got so many songs today that would be much better material if they didn't take it and burlesque it by what they call a modern sound. I mean, if you're going to do a song with the razzmatazz and and clatter and all that, get a song that deserves it. We just try to do the song according to the message, and that's the way Presley did. Presley and Rick Nelson, especially Presley, well, Dolly Parton, too, and, and Loretta Lynn, Kitty Wells, Mercy. The ones we, they had the best way of pulling the meaning out of a song and putting it on, on tape. Presley put his whole heart into what he was doing. If it's a cute song, he did it cute. If it's a serious song, he did it seriously. If you ever want to hear the best recording I've ever heard of Farther Along, you listen to his because it has no fault or all, has, has no embellishment. He just lets the song sing itself. Really, really, really good because that song really touched. So that's what we go for. We try to do the background that stays out of the way of the message of the song, and we try to do the background that, that, that doesn't conflict with the musicians. We all work together on that. Not necessarily a favorite, but is there a recording session that is the most memorable for you? 
I'm telling you, if you narrow it down to one, you're not getting an answer because here I am trying to think, and all of a sudden the Dolly Parton session pops up, an Elvis Presley session pops up, Patty Page, uh, Loretta Lynn, the Mandrells, Ricky Lee. I got a list of every artist we've worked with downstairs, except for the last 10 years I haven't kept up with it as well. But Johnny Horton, the Battle of New Orleans thing, Big Bad John, I just, I can't, just don't even ask me. I can't do it. It's impossible. And what about the work you did with Dolly Parton? What does she like to work with? Like Elvis, full of energy. Same energy. When you see Dolly, you see Dolly. She's a wonderful human being to start with. I picked that up in her when she was about 16 or 17. We did her first record when she was in high school. You could see a, you could see a humanity in her that she's still exuding all of this work. First of all, when she when she started making her money, she made sure that every kid in her hometown, or maybe her county that graduated, that, well, they all had books to read, and she started scholarships for them. She's just a remarkable human being, not selfish at all, and has great ideas. She's a star star in Hollywood. She's one of the one of the moxiest, best business women that Hollywood has ever seen. It's just, you remember the movie Prince of Tides? I sure do. All right. Well, that came from doing another one that Barbara Streisand wanted to do, Yentl. She wanted to do about a little Jewish boy, and nobody would do it. She told Dolly, she said, you know, I've got a movie in my head I'd like to do, and nobody will back it. doesn't seem to want it. She said, what is it? And she told her, she said, my company will back it. So she put it out for her, and because Dolly knew how. And out of that, she got Prince of Tides with her production company. No telling what her songwriters raw his heart. It's unbelievable. We're talking with Ray Walker of the Jordanaires. You've worked with Loretta Lynn. What is Loretta Lynn like to work with? She is absolutely Loretta Lynn. That's the sweetest woman and honest. Well, she just like uh, like Dolly, honest to a fault. Like Miss Kitty Wells, she's a quieter nature, but honest, straightforward. When you meet them, you've met them. Same with Elvis Presley. Elvis was a little shyer in a way than them than they were. But Loretta still lives on Highway 13 in Humphreys County, and she's a member uh, of the Church of Christ and. Just the sweetest woman, always wanted to do good for anybody, just for anybody. She's had a little hard life, you know, losing her husband and all that. But she's still working today when she's well, and she doesn't get sick very often, but I think her allergies get her. She still lives in those woods. I'll tell you about Loretta Lynn. They wanted to do, I think it was an NBC special. I'm not sure, but it was a network special on her. And she's got that mansion out there, you know, at her big place there. These three guys, three or four guys from New York suits, walked up, and she was scrubbing the pillars to that house herself. And when they walked up, she said, "Here," yeah. she said, "She, I paint them too. I paint them, I guess." She said, "Here," yeah. said, "Grab those brushes over there in that paint." Says these dad blame kids have got so many handprints on these posts here, so they'll show all over the place. And she had the she had the moguls from the production company and whoever they were. They were painting the columns to her house. <laughs> Isn't that great? Uh, yes, sir. One time on a recording session, 
somebody that would have taken this to the newspaper could have made could have twisted it around and made it seem like something else. But here's a conversation that went this way. We were working with her over at Bradley's and actually she was an RCAA. Owen Bradley Chet Atkins, you know, Owen had DECA and Chet had RCA. They built that building. That was their building. I said, what are you doing this summer? She said, well, so I'm getting ready to go over to Hawaii. She says, Hawaii, you know. I said, I got some friends that want to go over and said, we're going to take them over too. And I said, oh, do they stay with you? She said, no. I said, I got a little house down the hill for my guests that want when they want to come. And when they said, some people need to, you know. I said, yeah. And I said, well, you know, it must be wonderful to be able to do that. She said, listen here, Ray. She said, if I've got a dime and you need it, you can have it. And if I've got $10,000 and you need it, you can have it. She said, the dime's the same as $10,000 to me. Well, you know, a reporter could have picked that up and said, well, I read it shows another side of her personality. She said a dime is, is worth $10,000. Uh, man, I tell you. Sometimes I get so sick and tired of the reports that get out when things are twisted. But that woman is deep, sweet as she can be, and hardworking, and she knows her stuff. Just speaking personally here, the Jordanaires put out this album. It's a gospel bluegrass album. Again, just speaking personally, I just love this album. Well... Recording is recording. It, you know, we enjoyed the project, and it wasn't really hard to do, but we had to get into the feel of bluegrass and not lose the spiritual feel of the Jordanaires because they wanted to take the Jordanaires' sound and put it with a different background. So we really enjoyed it because we'd never done anything like it before. It would be hard to go bluegrass with some of the gospel songs and hymns without burlesking them, but none of those is burlesque. They're, they're good. We enjoyed it. What is the best thing about being Ray Walker? <laughs> this interview. Anything else you want to know? <laughs> the latest thing I'm doing, I don't even know. I just, I never did like my name and the way it sounded when they say, ladies and gentlemen, Ray Walker. I thought, you know, that sounds like, like kind of wet clay or mud dropped on a hot sidewalk. We got to England. I went to an interview there and they said, oh. Here's Ray Walker. I said, Ray, Ray Walker? Oh, that doesn't sound bad at all. So in my head, I've been Ray Walker for years. I don't know. Christianity, uh, able to serve people. We've had, I, I don't know. My, my little wife is my on-earth support. She is just the most, she has the most insight of, of anybody I've ever known. God's given her a good gift there. And we don't get mewling and puking about religion. I just I just talk straight out about it. Not like, oh, I just sit here and God does this for me. Well, God doesn't do anything for you to sit there if you just sit and do nothing. And we're finding out at 78 years old something that I had heard and figured was true. It's like going to college. When you go learn a trade, you go do the trade. But we've had foster children and families living with us off and on over the years, and we care for a young lady now who is a handicapped vet once a week or so and her and her son so she can be with him because he would need some extra care. He's very feisty and all that. So we're still doing that, just being alive, I guess, and thanking God for my parents here and for this wonderful wife I have. We've been married nearly 58 years and looking for 78. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> I figure I don't have but about 30 more good years, and then I'm going to have to probably put on some house shoes. My last question is open-ended. Uh, well, haven't they all? You don't realize that they're all open-ended. I suppose that's true. My last question. What would you say to anyone listening in? Uh, well, that, that's a, that is an open-ended question. Well, be loyal to principle. Try to make your policies match the principles that are good for everybody. Our problem today is the policies get out of hand. And just remember that Jesus said that the letter of a law kills, but the Spirit gives life. There's no way to make a law that can hit everybody all the time, even down to your speed limit sign. If you've got someone dying in your car or hurt, you'll break the sign limit to get them to the hospital and it's allowed to do that if they know that that's what you're doing. It's not as easy anymore. You used to put a handkerchief in your window and your blinkers on and to keep your horn blowing if people get out of your way. Right now, they try to race you most of the time. <laughs> but be loyal to principles. There are principles that never change. Principles do not change. And we're supposed to make our policies around those principles. So first of all, you've got to learn your principles. I'd say another thing is just remember that, like I do, I'm one of multi-millions. Every single person is one of multi-millions, but every single person is only one of a kind. And you're going to have your own mark. You're going to have your own mark, so make sure it counts for the good and not for the bad. I guess that's it. I, I can't think of anything else. Be careful. <laughs> I have to say, I've heard a lot of answers to that question. And that would be one of the better ones. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. But that, you know, and it's hard to live up to that anyway, because sometimes we get so burdened or we get in such a hurry or my hard times are when I get happy. I'm an absolute nut if you make me really happy. And I don't dare get sillier than I really am. I'm really a silly man. When I'm playing with children, you'd think they're always are two months older than I am. I'm glad you asked that. Just be really careful about the way you react to certain things. And you are enough already to be a success. You are enough already to be loved. And if somebody doesn't love you and appreciate you, walk away from them. You got along with them, without them before you met them, and you can get along without them now. Let me leave you with one thing, Paul. Now and then there's a fool such as I. That's it. <laughs> you know, early on in the interview, yeah, I thought about asking you to sing. I was talking to J.D. Sumner. He was so funny. J.D. one time, they, we were doing a show at the Ellis Auditorium as a tribute to Presley. And uh, the producer said, Ray, you and J.D. will have to share a mic. He said, we're a little low on equipment. I said, yeah, right. I said, J.D., I'll go, ooh, and you take it from there. And he was sitting on the chair. He said, he said, you know, Ray, those seven years I was with Elvis. I said, five years, J.D. Those five years that I was with Elvis, I never got to sing bass. I spent five years going, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I said, well. And somebody, somebody asked me off to the side there. I'm sitting there. Said Ray, said is J D lower than you are? I said in every way. 
And he looked at me and his I'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said, I said, JD, can you do this? <laughs> See, I sing girls' parts too. He fell out. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever done that on an interview. I'm glad you did. <laughs> no, you have to do what you get paid for when you're doing background. And I've done duets with Millie Kirkham and. And done some falsetto. Elvis called me a chameleon. He called me frog too, but he called me a chameleon. Because whatever sound he wanted to come up with, I'd try to do it. And most time I could do it. He wanted girls on a session one time. And I said, well, what would you have him do? He said, why? I said, well, just tell me. He said, something like a girl trio pattern. I, that's us doing that on I Got Stung and all things like that, you know. So anytime, sometimes when you hear a girl's trio with Elvis Presley, it's the three of us. Interesting. Very interesting. My voice broke one time. I was going, <laughs> and he got tickled. I said, I dropped my purse. <laughs> and he laughed. He laughed. So many great stories. Our special guest has been Ray Walker. Thank you so much for joining us. You just keep your feet on the ground, okay, Paul? Will do. A boobopery, a boobopshy, a geenopetilaxic babu, to get con, con, dig it, patakuliki, aye, nakashi, dabba, suddenly walky cheek along, take on some cap top to leave a deca, patichi, cheek up, mung, goodbye.